your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Merry Christmas and welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, where we've got just a couple more games to get through for the Big Ten. Uh, all of which are very, very meaningful. Uh, and then we can wrap up the whole damn year. Absolutely all of it. Uh, once again, this is Steve Ronick here with Thumpasaurus. I'm here with Andrew Krzyzewski. We're in different time zones. Um, uh, it's Festivus, so let's air some grievances. Hold on, let me, let me put aside this giant bowl of Hellman's that I'm stirring just to get in the appropriate mindset to talk about the first and most appropriate of the bowl games that a big 10 team has been lucky enough to accept an invitation to this year. That of course would be the Duke's Mayo bowl, not the mayonnaise bowl, the Mayo bowl between Wisconsin and Wake Forest cannot wait for this one. Thing is about the Mayo bowl is that it is the old belt bowl, but they seem to have the old belt bowl social media team. So they're very engaged with everything on their very, there's a very online bowl game. I wouldn't As have bowl games go. Way. I mean, Mayo is definitely something that needs active promotion, especially in regions of the country so that contain the Big Ten and the ACC. Nobody there in these places has any awareness of mayonnaise at all. It's a very smart decision by Dukes to kind of get their product out there into these untapped markets like Wisconsin. Well, I'm wondering if they're going to soon be like insurance companies where there's entire cinematic universes based around them. God. <laughs> Uh, okay, so <laughs> I have a little bit of residual knowledge about Wake Forest because Michigan State played them uh, in the bowl game last year. They have a an incredible pass rusher in Carlos Basham Jr. I don't know if he's playing in this bowl or sitting out for NFL preparations or what. Of course, they don't have their old quarterback, Jamie Newman, because despite being one of the better players in the ACC and being in position to lead his team coming off a bowl game, he opted to transfer to Georgia and then didn't play this year because of the COVID issues. So he basically just fell into a pit for this year. Um, they had a guy in Sam Hartman who looked okay in some relief spots last year. I, I'll be honest with you, have not seen but 30 seconds or so of Wake Forest this year. I have no idea if they are any good overall. Let's see here. Uh, their, their record sure doesn't suggest that they are. But what else, what can you really say about any team this year other than the playoff teams, which is the entire point of this whole debacle? I don't know. I know Dave Clawson has generally been able to make something out of nothing, but I don't know that they're going to be able to do it here. Although um, it depends. What's Wisconsin's quarterback situation like? Well, Jack Cohn transferred, so he ain't going to be playing. Um, that to me doesn't... it. I don't know. I guess the question is whether Graham Mertz can go or not. And this is, of course, a problem that you get when we have games running into mid to late December is that normally you'd finish the season and your bowl game isn't for a month. So if you have guys dealing with minor injuries or I mean, in the course of this season, if you have a COVID issue, you would have had the kind of time to get that under control, get your affairs in order and basically expect to be near full strength when the bowl game comes around. But now you've got the end of the season and then the bowls are in like a week and a half to two weeks. So 
if you have a, an unresolved issue or an injury, you may not have that guy back by the time you play your bowl game. Well, what I want is I want to see some Danny Vandenboom. And what I want to see with Danny Vandenboom is I want him to just be using his name as the snap cadence. I want him to get up to the line and be like, Danny, Vanden, 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 boom. Uh, sure. So, and I'm just, you know, to get a little bit more of a perspective, I'm running through their statistics here. And yeah, Sam Hartman looked like he was the guy most of the way at quarterback. He's decent, complete about 59% of his passes, um, 10 touchdowns to one interception. So he takes care of the ball pretty well. Did take 24 sacks. So not the most evasive guy. And they've got a two man committee at running back that were both at or around five yards per carry, a little bit above that. Looks like Kenneth Walker is the guy who gets all the goal line work because he's got 13 touchdowns to just four for Christian Beal Smith. Um, Jaquari Roberson appears to have taken the mantle of their standout wide receiver. They've had a number of those recently, but they've also cycled through the program pretty quickly. So they look kind of like they have recently. Um, Again, Basham Jr. was the guy I mentioned as knowing uh, that he's a dynamite passing threat. Uh, does lead him in sacks again this year, but only with five. Again, shortened season. You don't expect him to put up huge numbers. They're going to be kind of what they have been recently. They're a decent team overall. They finished with a four and four record. And what that means is, of course, that, you know, they were lucky enough to miss their game against Notre Dame, but they lost to North Carolina and Clemson, really the only two other decent teams they played. They did beat Virginia Tech, who ended up ranked. So that's something. But they had three games canceled over the course of the year. I don't know whether it is. Whether yeah, that makes them a good matchup for Wisconsin. Yeah. They, so I guess the other thing I would say is in their losses, they've given up 37, 45, 59, and 45. So this defense can be a little bit vulnerable. They were much better defensively in their four wins. Didn't give up more than, than 23 in any of those games. So I don't know what to make of that. I mean, it definitely looks like if you're a better offense, you can definitely get some points on the board against them. Um, and their offense is kind of up and down as well. I mean, they've got a couple games here. Hartman threw for less than three than 200 yards in three games. So I think they're kind of just a decent team, which, you know, considering they're Wake Forest, a school with what, 3,000 students playing in the ACC, like that's the reason Dave Clawson is viewed as a candidate to get better jobs because to accomplish that at Wake Forest – is notable. It's, it's a good coaching job. So I would think Wisconsin ought to be able to handle this. I think they were favored by what, like six and a half or something like that. Well, if Wake Forest wins, I'll have Clawson related regrets. Well, I guess, but it shouldn't be a surprise if they win because Wisconsin's had this disjointed season. And I don't know. I mean, the fact that he's been state, he's been a program builder everywhere he goes. That's really the thing that Illinois missed out on I think is yeah got um, a track record of pulling things out of the ditch like Bowling Green was terrible before he got there so was Wake Forest and he didn't exactly you know he hasn't proven that he can boost your ceiling but he's certainly a guy that Illinois would have been would have done pretty well with even if after you know four or five six years you think all right maybe now it's time we reach a little bit and see if we can go a bit higher than what he's taken us to absolutely um this doesn't much have to do with it, but uh, the Music City Bowl is going to be Iowa and Missouri. I don't know the first damn thing about Missouri football this year. I, 
Well, let me tell you what I think this game is going to be. I think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't know in what direction. I would find it very surprising if Missouri blows out Iowa. Um, that just doesn't seem – I think this Iowa team, they had a very rough opening to the year, but they've been very good since, basically. I mean, they part of that is just that they've got a quarterback who, in my opinion, was limited this year. I don't think they did themselves any favors by not addressing that situation earlier, but, it, okay, he is what he is at this point, and he's their guy. So – Defensively, Iowa's solid across the board. They've got clear leaders on offense in the receiving and running games, but they've got pretty good depth in the in the receiving core as well. So I think Iowa's the better team here. But again, I'm basing that solely on statistical profile because I, you know, I certainly consumed much less football this fall than I usually would have. I don't think I saw a single snap of Missouri Tigers football this year. Well, they are led by a, I mean, they've got a rushing attack with uh, Larry Roundtree is their is their back. Uh, they can be had by the by a certain type of defense that can throw the ball really well. They gave up 51 to Mississippi State in their last game, lost 51 to 32, but they did go 500 in the SEC this year. Um, I'm trying to see what they did against uh, teams that were notable. Uh, they managed to manball Kentucky and South Carolina, but kind of like who cares? Um, yeah, I mean, Kentucky has not sustained the success they had a couple years ago. South Carolina fired their coach. Like, it's good that they're winning the games that are there to be won. But I mean, they're, but they also got they got hammered by Georgia, Florida. Right. Um, yeah, they were going to play Georgia again. That didn't happen. Uh, they got hammered <laughs> by Tennessee. They got hammered by Alabama. They've been hammered by everybody particularly good that they've played. So I got to feel like Iowa is going to be able to do it. The question is, you know, do they have multiple ways to advance the ball if the first thing they try isn't going to work? Basically, what I'm asking is, is Amir Smith-Marset available and can Spencer Petras hit him? We'll see. Um, although, I, you know, given the preferred st- – I mean, the SEC has more in the way of passing attacks than they used to. So I would guess in some of those games, particularly Alabama and Florida, they probably got minced through the air. But Iowa's preference being to run the, you know, the fact that Iowa's preference is to run the ball doesn't mean that they can't move the ball through the air if they have to. They've gotten better that way the last few weeks of the season. Obviously, when things went wrong earlier this year is because they were trying to do that first. And that was that was a mistake they never should have made. Carrying on here, we'll go on to the Citrus Bowl, um, Northwestern and Auburn. So here you've got the situation where your opponent, despite being vastly more talented than you, is operating with an interim coach. And good luck figuring out what is going to happen in a bowl game with a team whose coach has been fired. Sometimes they don't show up. They could care less. Other times the interim coach is the most popular assistant on the team and they want to show up and play their brain, you know, play their best game for that guy. It could go really anywhere. I I have no idea. I mean, Auburn could show up completely uninterested or they could work over Northwestern the way they beat Purdue a couple of years ago. So you tell me you're comfortable, you're comfortable picking a winner, let alone a margin in this game. And I'll tip my hat to you if you get that right or if you're even within a couple scores because this is a complete wild card game to me. The interim coach is Kevin Steele. Now, Kevin Steele as a head coach is known for one thing and one thing only. 
<laughs> and that is the time he tried to make a statement with his shit-ass Baylor program against UNLV with a uh, with a lead of less than a touchdown. At the end of the game, he chose, instead of taking a knee, to try and punch it in from inside the five uh, right at the end of the game. It was instead fumbled and taken back all the way for a touchdown. Yeah, but look, it, that was a long time ago. And since then, he's actually like – He's a good coordinator. Yeah, he's turned out to be a pretty solid defensive coordinator, such that it's actually rumored he may be one of the more prominent candidates for the Auburn job, which is well kind of baffling. I, well, now he is. Uh, reportedly, <laughs> Billy Napier withdrew his name from consideration because he didn't like the fact that he didn't know who his boss was going to be. And then uh, Bill Clark, the UAB head coach, decided – to stay at UAB instead of going to Auburn. So something, something fucky is going on. Yeah. That to me kind of smells like, uh, like booster politics are at work. <laughs> like there's, you know, um, I, again, something's fucky. Yeah. I don't claim to have an inside view on that kind of thing, but look, Auburn is what at, like at worst, a top 15 job, probably top 10. Like really, make a make a list in your head right now of the programs that you think are definitely better jobs than Auburn. Go ahead. This, you don't have to list them all off, but count. Tell me how many you can count. I'll do the same thing. We'll have a brief moment of dead air here. Everyone at home, do the same thing. I wonder what number you would come up with, and we'll see how many teams you've come with that are definitely a better job than Auburn right now. I mean. I got about 15 and I'm saying this because uh, definitely maybe about 10, but Auburn was one of the teams I included in my college football champions league proposal. I have 10. I came up with 10 jobs that I think are better than Auburn. And despite that, a Sunbelt coach down and what is UAB in? Is it the American or the conference USA? I I think they're in CUSA, but more importantly, they're a satellite campus of Alabama <laughs> yeah well an, in, an in-state conference USA coach said no thanks uh, that yes that tells you as you said very eloquently something is fucky well, <laughs> I, I could not have come up with a better way to put it imagine the head coach of eastern Michigan turns down Michigan well I think it would be more like turning down Michigan State but yes your point is taken uh, so. but even that would be pretty bad right yeah even that would be absolutely bizarre though and so that they have that they're apparently now running into difficulties in their coaching search again try to infer how this is going to impact the players i mean presumably some of them want to see kevin Steele stay on but you would think given that they haven't exactly been terrible that some of them also probably are wondering why gus malzahn was fired in the first place um you know, nobody's had more success against Nick Saban. Grand, nobody gets more opportunities than he does. But that he won them a national title, beat Alabama, what, like three times in the last six or seven years? I think just twice, but. Well, I thought he had a third one. Maybe the third one was earlier, but in any case. You might be giving credit for the Cam Newton one, which he deserves. He was, he was the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I don't think anybody believes that Gene Chizik really had anything to do with that. Yeah, no, he deserves credit for that one, but I'm saying you might be counting that one as the third one in that span well, that think, you're talking about. I think I am, and I'm still going to count it as a yeah. win. Yeah. So, it was case, worth two wins. Yeah, all of which is to come back and say, look, I, 
I don't have any idea what the mindset of an Auburn player is right now. Um, if they're at all interested in this game, I think they win easily. There's still a run first attack. And we just saw what you can do to Northwestern's front. If you have a capable offensive line and good backs, I think tank Bigsby is at least as good as Trey Sermon. Their offensive line is probably not as good as Ohio state's, <clears throat> but if they are motivated, it's going to be a pretty reasonable simulation of the big 10 championship game, except I don't think they're going to spend three quarters trying to throw the ball over the yard first. And so if they show up tuned in, I think Northwestern probably loses this by at least a couple scores. If they're not focused or they have a screwy game plan, then yeah, Northwestern could hang around and make this the kind of game that they might actually win. Yeah. And uh, when they, and, and then uh, when that game ends up, guess what is not going to happen? It's Gerald. Yeah, Fitzgerald takes an NFL job. Yeah, he's not going to go to the Bears or the Lions. <laughs> he's got a great agent. Because every year we hear these stories. He's got a great agent that people are still believing them. This has become the new Kirk Fitzgerald, you know, Kirk Ferentz is going to the Chiefs thing, where it's like every year this comes up. It's far from clear why there would be any NFL interest in him. Like he's... He's not viewed, as far as I know, as a great play call. I don't think he calls the plays on either side of the ball. Really, what he is, is he is a program architect. He is the guy who identifies recruits, sets a philosophy, sets a culture. And those things can be valuable in the NFL. I think, for example, of a guy like Mike Vrabel, who apparently was was viewed basically from the time he was a player as like, yeah, the guy's going to be an NFL head coach because he commands a locker room in a certain way that is just impossible to duplicate. You don't hear that kind of thing said about Fitz though. I mean, even though, yes, he gets more out of his players and program than you would reasonably expect. The fact that he can identify and develop underappreciated players, that's not like, that's not nearly as valuable in the NFL because a team is not going to make him the head coach and GM. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, not to mention like, you, you go five and 11, but like, oh, that undrafted free agent, you know, is really turned into a dependable starter. Well, that won't, that won't really do anything for you. Yeah. The equivalent of a three win season in the NFL could get you fired if you're at the wrong team. So. Absolutely. Not to mention it just, <coughs> doesn't it have vibes to you? Like, like, doesn't it feel like it would end the way that John Beeline's tenure in Cleveland did? Maybe not quite that spectacularly bad, but it's yeah, so but it would definitely be, it definitely seems to me like a thing where it's, where, where, I don't know, Pat Fitzgerald just seems like his approach works in college and would not translate at all. He, I mean, shoot, if you want a, a closer analogy, I think of Greg Schiano's time with Tampa Bay. Oh like, my God. Yeah. I don't know yeah, why I didn't you, think of that one. Yeah. Would you have any problem believing that Fitzgerald would go and demand that his players become Fitzgerald men or something like that? No, I could totally see that happening. Um, and I wonder, you know, Fitzgerald has always seemed like he kind of understands he's in a good situation there. They'll never fire him. I mean, he's two division titles in three years. Are you kidding me? He's set there for the next 15 years. If he doesn't win another game. Absolutely. So moving on. Uh, the Sugar Bowl, Ohio State and Clemson. Well, we talked about how we got here, so we'll spare everybody our complaining about that. This could be theoretically a good matchup on paper. It's certainly of the two playoff matchups, probably going to be the much better one. 
because when I look at that game between Alabama and Notre Dame, I don't see any way that the Irish don't get ground into paste again. Um, you know, given that they struggle to stay within striking distance of Clemson, like that game was really over at halftime and Clemson sort of throttled it down. I don't see how Notre Dame stays close to Alabama. So if you're going to be watching the playoff semifinals, this is the one you're going to want to see because it's, it figures to be more competitive, but for it to be competitive, Ohio state needs a much better game out of Justin Fields than they got in the conference championship game. Yeah. Whatever the hell it was that they prepared for Northwestern scrap that burn it and never look at it again. It was terrible. Um, I, I also do want to mention like, Alabama's playing Notre Dame because you can't put Cincinnati in the playoffs. Well, because you know, they're just going to get ground into dust and you know, you'd have to rework the whole system. If for instance, a team gave up seven touchdowns in the first half of a playoff game. Yeah. That would require massive overhauls to the system. And that's why you saw the system change so much between last year and this year. Uh, Coronavirus was actually a response to Joe Burrow setting OU on fire. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was it was the system it was the immune system it was college football's immune system <laughs> it's college football's t-cells rejecting that outcome and trying to find a way to get a more equitable but you know keep in mind that that was still against the power five champion right and it was still yeah. that bad um i don't know i just like <laughs> how could a game be materially worse more one-sided than that one Right. And I mean, like, it's not like we haven't had lopsided games, right? Like the games where Washington and Michigan state stumbled into the stadium against Alabama, like anybody who you put in the ring with them is going to get absolutely turned into mincemeat. You might as well see what one of these group of five teams can do. And you know what, if you put Cincinnati in this game and they lose by 70, maybe we don't have to hear from central Florida fans anymore. Okay. Because you've had, you'd have, okay, look, we put them in the ring and oh, look at that. Yep. Their limbs are all over the place. Can we stop talking about this, please? And just appreciate that a New Year's Six Bowl game can be a perfectly good ceiling to aspire to. Like, no, the playoff is not for the group of five. But there's still other things out there for them to play for. Their conference title games, their rivalry games, New Year's Six games, everything except the very biggest one. If that means that your program isn't being talked about in ESPN, welcome to the club. 95% of us have teams that are not being talked about on you know college football on game day or anything like that because we're not fans of Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama. Those are the teams that get talked about. The rest of us are fighting for scraps. It's no different for the group of five. But it's just bullshit that at no point can the game actually be settled on the field. Yeah, and that's you know there's been again renewed talk of expanding the playoff. I think that's inevitable just because there's going to be money in it. So like that's going to happen eventually. And the question is, even if we go to eight, are they going to ensure a power five team gets in at that point? Like, I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Well, uh, so, yeah, it'll probably just be a way to make sure that Alabama gets in the playoff and maybe get Penn State in there every now and then at the expense of Illinois beats Ohio State. That's not going to do anything to their season. No, what it'll do is completely devalue the regular season. And you can probably say goodbye to conference championship games too, which. Yay. Well, look, you say that. I appreciate those because my team's actually played in a few and the three conference title games MSU has been in are probably three of my five favorite games I've ever seen my team play, even the one they lost. So I don't know. Um, I see value in conference title games. You hate them. 
I, I submit if your team ever goes, you'll feel differently. Um, but anyway, we got one more bowl game to talk about here. Probably the best bowl game on the Big Ten slate because Indiana and Ole Miss are playing in the Blooming Onion Bowl, a.k.a. the Outback Bowl. This is going to be a hell of a game to watch. Yeah. Um, Lane Kiffin played Alabama earlier this year, and he just decided that he realized that his defense wasn't going to get a single stop, so he decided uh, there's no – we're in four-down territory the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And which I appreciated, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that he took it to its logical conclusion because he wasn't wrong to do so. And he almost and he he got he made them bleed their own blood, right? Yeah, he, he got closer than anybody else has gotten. Yeah, and they're, look, I appreciate that because so many other coaches are like, "Well, I don't want to have my decision questioned later on." Who cares? You really telling me he's Lane he- Kiffin? All of his decisions are questioned. Right. Although he's, he's behaved himself since he's gotten to Oxford and really even at Florida Atlantic. But um, you like, are you really telling me that you'd rather be in a press conference where you lose by 35, but you didn't make any questionable decisions. That's more fun than going to one where you kept it within a couple scores. It was like, Oh yeah, we went for it on fourth down seven times, but, and we only got four of them, but look, we, we're going to throw our best punch. That's, I think that's a much easier position to defend. And maybe that's like, that could be the whole rationale is that, look, it's much easier for me to explain to my team and the recruits I'm trying to convince, like, look, I'm never going to be afraid to go for it. If we're in a position to do something big, isn't that worth something? Or would you rather go play for a stodgy old guy who's going to turtle up and avoid criticism whenever possible? I'm not afraid of being criticized. People criticize me since I was 20 years old. Well, I'm just saying that we have a fundamentally sound defense. Uh, I thought that we were prepared in practice to play this week and obviously we weren't prepared to play um i'm giving you some lovey smith lines there because you yeah, want to know, know what it's like we're, to do the gonna, other way around we're gonna have to impose a sunset provision on the on the insertion of random lovey smith lines into games about other into you know talk about other games so we'll work that out but you just keep in mind there's going to be an end to that because he's gone now he can't hurt you anymore well now we get to talk about hopping on the wife <laughs> oh god um <laughs> we look w- wouldn't it be kind of a i don't know if refreshing is the right word but a change of pace right that he would actually that he would he would be i mean i don't know tell me you're not looking forward just to seeing what falls out of his mouth once he's not in the confines of a scripted press release tell me you're not kind of <laughs> yeah, morbidly he, so hey let's talk yeah, about yeah. indiana so look, they've got Indiana has some players offensively, right? But what we've seen here is that to keep to outrace a team like Ole Miss, you need to have Alabama level of players, and that's not the kind of game that Indiana is going to win. They should really try to slow things up a little bit. I mean, the good thing is Ole Miss's defense is just terrible. Like Indiana should have no problem handing a ball to Stevie Scott or whoever else. I mean, they've used a number of running backs this year you know, running the ball 35, 40 times, controlling time of possession, kind of grinding it out and winning that kind of game. I think they could win that kind of game. And it would be really nice if they were able to wrap up what has been a breakthrough season for them, even though I, they were still so distraught after losing the Ohio State game. I'm like, oh, come on. We're like, what, did you think you were going to go from never beating half the teams in the conference for 40 years? <laughs> 
Your dog's woofed before mine. Well, mine are farther away. I don't know why the UPS guy knocks and rings the door. It's like it's completely unnecessary. He doesn't need me to sign for it. Many quiet. And then he's like, even if I had come to the door, he'd be gone by the time I got there. I'd, it's, it sounds like your dogs want us to talk about Michigan. Yeah, well, that's going to be in the conversation of teams that preemptively passed up their bowl games. Teams that came out and said, no, thank you. We couldn't possibly have another serving of football this year. Michigan. Oh, I'm stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've only seen, and I don't know if this is a complete list or not. I know, I know other teams. So we've talked about all the bowls that big 10 teams are going to, by the way, and that's five. So I think maybe other teams have made these announcements and I just missed them, but three teams that I saw who affirmatively declared, we are not accepting bowl invitations are two. Yeah, I, I don't like it either, and I'm about to. He's gonna find out why we're growling. So two of these teams are the two, uh, two of the three that insisted most loudly and most churlishly that we play football this year, no matter what. Michigan and Nebraska have both affirmatively declared we are not playing in a bowl game. You mean the same Nebraska yeah, that was desperate to play Chattanooga? Guess they've had enough football. <laughs> Guess they've had enough. They managed to sneak in that win over Rutgers, and they're like, "That that's too much. You know, like the Price is Right game. <laughs> Stop right here. We don't want to play anymore. Um, I just find something just blissfully, just so purely hypocritical about that, that, you know, you've now gotten to the point you'd probably be matched up against a better team than you. The season has not gone how you wanted. Now you're tapping out. This is where you want to quit, huh? we've already had the risk. We've already, you know, half the coaches in the league have already had COVID, but now is when you want to pull the plug on it. Okay. Yeah, sure. But, Go ahead. but have you considered uh, that? You know, actually, a game against like Tennessee or something who would have caved your heads in. <laughs> That's fine. Well, what's changed is there's this virus now. Now it's a problem. Now there's a pandemic you see. So <laughs> I just, I find something profoundly mirthful about that well guess what there will be nebarcus football again one day and that day will be uh in ireland against brett bielema's fighting a lot birding a line eye how'd you shut up doesn't that just seem perfect for the return of nebarcus football to coincide with the bert bielema era at (laughs) illinois just outside the guinness brewery yeah, talk about uh, talk about temptation there. By the way, if you're gonna <laughs> let's let's see how well Bert's able to maintain his sobriety when we have his first game back in college in three years. Be you know, I don't know where in Ireland they're playing, presumably in Dublin. So that would be pretty close to the Guinness factory. <laughs> we'll just see if we can't nudge him off the wagon right away and really get this train rolling downhill with a head of steam, so to speak. Yeah, well. You know, it's definitely rolled downhill because even though he claims to be from Prophetstown, Illinois, Brett Bielema just looks like every single person from Wisconsin ever. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!